The Bible says that the church is a family. And if you're a Christian today, then uh, you are here with your family. Look at that person beside you. Does that look at your brother or your sister? You say, Pastor, we're not related. Oh, yes, you are. Maybe even look alike. <laughs> you're related. And you know how you're related? You're, you're related by blood. You're related by the blood of Christ. If you're a Christian today, if you've asked Christ into your life, then you are part of a family. Now, here's the thing. God expects you to be a member of his church family. God expects you to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's the thing. If someone calls himself or herself a believer, but does not have a church family, we call that person uh, an orphan. Anyone who calls himself or herself a Christian but doesn't have a church family is, in fact, an orphan. And so this morning, what we want to talk about, we talked about the passion, a passion for God's presence. Today, I want to talk to you about the passion for God's people. And I want you to recognize again, you've heard me say it before, I'm going to remind you again. If you want to understand what the Scripture is all about, what the Bible is about, it's all about our relationship to God and to one another. From Genesis to Revelation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Almost right from the very start, what, what does God say? It says it's not good for man to, to what? To be alone. And so he created what? You don't know. <laughs> he created, you, you don't know what he created. He created a woman, a woman for poor Adam, because Adam is a man and everybody knows that men are wimps. If it weren't for women, men wouldn't have a hope, right? Well, God knew that, that it was not good for human, for humans to be alone. And so from Adam and Eve, what's hap what happens here, folks? The family is created. It becomes, it becomes the, the model for what God wants for his own chosen people. And so all of those who call themselves believers today are, in fact, part of the family of God. And God wants you to find your place in that family. So we read that in, in, in Genesis. And if you go right to the very end of your Bible, Revelation chapter 21, the, actually the very last sentence in the Scripture, again, addresses God's people. Isn't that interesting? Listen to what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people Amen. Literally, the last three words of the Bible are God's people. Amen. And so you recognize how important is the family of God. How important are your brothers and sisters in Christ? How important you are to me and how important I am to you. you say, Pastor, you're not important to me. Well, <laughs> I hope I'm important to you. You're important to me. That person beside you is important to you. You say, I don't feel that he or she is important to me. Well, my friends, it's because we don't understand the will or the mind of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. The very first sign of backsliding, of falling away from God in your life, is in your relationship to God. That's the very first thing. Now, here's the thing. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what your relationship to God is. Nobody knows whether you're praying or reading your Bible. 
those with a little bit of discernment could probably pick up pretty quickly that, that probably things aren't what they ought to be, but we don't really know because it's, it's, it's secret, it's hidden. So we don't really know if your relationship to God is what it needs to be. And it's the first thing that begins to, begins, it's the first sign of backsliding when you stop praying and stop reading your Bible. Here's the second sign of backsliding. You're ready for this. It's not because you've gone out drinking or smoking or, or dancing. That's not the second sign of backsliding. The second sign of backsliding is that you've broken off relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are not in fellowship with other believers. That's the second sign. And that, by the way, is not secret. You can't hide that. It's extremely important for your spiritual growth, your spiritual success, your spiritual development. It's extremely important that you are in constant fellowship with believers. I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's all kinds of reasons why relationships break down. It's because maybe we, we got hurt. Somebody said something to us that offended us. Somebody looked at us the wrong way that offended us. Somebody didn't do something. They said they were going to do it. They didn't show up and we're offended and we get all angry and we're going to, I'm not going back to that church again. I'm not hanging out. Christians are such hypocrites. Have you heard that before? Maybe you thought that or maybe you were the hypocrite. I don't know. I remember, I remember, um, as a, as a teenager at Calvary Temple, we were in the foyer. It was full of, just full of people just coming out of the service and there was Pastor Barber and he looked like he was walking right toward me. He's even looking at me. And he, I was all ready to stick out my hand and say, good morning, Pastor Barbara. And he walked right by me. And I thought, what on earth did I do to deserve that? What kind of a, this is not a friendly church. I can't believe it. And you know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Well, guess what? I became a pastor. And um, I found out, I found out what Pastor Barbara's problem was. And guess what? Pastor Barbara had nothing against me. He was just a pastor. How many times have I walked through here and people are all ready to, to stick up their hand and say hi to me? You, you, you said, Pastor, you were looking at me. You didn't say hello to me. And I'm thinking, I might have been looking at you, but I didn't see you. I got like a hundred things on my mind. I'm ready to have a service. I got to preach. I got to stand up in front of people. I got to, got to share the word of God. And I've got things to do and I'm so sorry. But how many know that Pastor Barbara doesn't sit at home thinking of ways to offend people? No more than I sit in my office thinking of ways that I can offend the people in my church. I, I, that's never my intention. And unless you're, you're sick, you're real, you're, you're sicko. I mean, you, you don't, you're not doing that either. You're not looking for ways to offend people. You're not looking for ways to hurt people's feelings. You're not looking for ways to let people down. But the fact of the matter is, people, is that we're people. And where God never fails, we do. And we will let each other down. But I don't know of anybody here that lets another person down on purpose. Unless you're sick. And then that's another sermon. <laughs> but this morning, we're, we're talking about the family of God. And so here's what's got to happen. Rather than getting our noses all out of joint and say, that's it, I quit, I'm running away, I'm not going to... What we have to do is say, God, what are, you, what are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to say, say to my heart? How, how do I need to grow? Well, here's the thing. In 1 Peter 3.8, here's what Peter's description of the family of God is. And if you would just read this with me. You should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. 1 Peter 3.8, that comes right out of the Living Bible. 
Folks, this is what the family of God is supposed to look like. We're supposed to be one big happy family. Now look at some of you this morning. You don't look very happy. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe you slipped on the ice this morning. You ran into somebody. Somebody cut you. I don't know. But when we get together to celebrate, we get together to celebrate the presence of Christ because God has given us a promise in his word. And the promise is this, is that we're two or more gathered together in his name. Who shows up? Jesus. So I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is here this morning. God is here and he delights to be here with his people, to encourage us, to teach us, to refresh us, to strengthen us. To help us overcome our hurts, our problems, our difficulties. So I want to talk, I want to just t- talk about that this morning, about this family of God, about God's, God's people. And the first thing you recognize is, is Peter says you should be one big happy family. Now some of you are reading from your Bible and you say, Pastor, my Bible doesn't say we should be one big happy family. Maybe in the NIV you're, you're reading this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. I want to tell you something. The word in the Greek, is ormophrons. And it basically is the, where we get the word harmony from. And here's what it means. It means, it means people getting along together are happy together, are one mind together. Essentially, that's what we're talking about, being happy together. One of my earliest memories of how powerful Christian fellowship is and what Christian life is comes from my childhood. Now, I, some of you know I did not grow up in a Christian home. I, my earliest memories of my family, in my family, were my parents having these wild parties. And if you look at my dad and Victoria, you would never think that they were that type, but they were. In fact, uh, some of you are that type too at one time. And I hope uh, all of you are over that. <laughs> but they would get together, they have their drinking and their partying and they would have their um, whatever. And, uh, I, I remember coming downstairs, and you, you heard me say this, and, and in the morning, my parents would be sleeping in until till noon, and my brothers and I had nothing else to do. We, we'd empty the, the beer bottles that still had beer in them, and um, you've heard me say that. Those were good memories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and not because of the beer. <laughs> good memories because I love watching my little brother choking on those uh, smoke butts that people dropped in the beer <laughs> bottle. Great memories. Anybody have good memories of their family? <laughs> well, guess what happened, friends? My uh, my parents sent us to church because it was the it was the right thing to do. It was at church that I became a Christian, and my sister became a Christian, and finally my parents thought, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we should do, be doing what the kids are doing." And before long, my parents started going to church and started getting the life right with God. Well, he, he, here's what happened. All those people that they had over for, for these wild parties, drinking and whatever, they started inviting them to church. Now, this, parents, I don't know if you realize it, but your kids are watching you so closely. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm listening, and I'm paying very close attention to all this. And one of the friends, uh, Eleanor and Jack Floyd, uh, she, was, she got involved in witchcraft, if you can believe it. And uh, she was on her way to England to be initiated into the... Uh, into the into witchcraft, she become a witch, practicing witch. But before she left, um, she came to church by invitation. My 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 mom and dad, and Pastor Barber, 
did something he never or very rarely ever does, ever did. Um, he had an altar call in the first service, in the early morning service. He never, ever did that. But he, he asked if there's anybody that wanted to receive Christ. And who should go forward that morning but Eleanor Floyd and her husband, Jack. And so she became a Christian that morning. Remember, she was on her way to England. But rather than going to England to serve Satan, that morning she went forward at our church and received Christ and became a wonderful Christian lady. Mom and Dad began to have them over. And uh, they would sit around the table drinking tea and eating toast with uh, brown sugar and cinnamon on it. I don't know if people do that nowadays, but that's what we did back then. We're poor. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something, my friends. I remember more laughing, more hilarity in my home when my parents received Christ than I ever remembered in all the times before. Before, they'd be laughing, and then they'd be fighting, and they'd be swearing at each other, and they'd be laughing again and drinking again. And But now, they're sitting around the table, and I'm watching this. And my parents are having a ball. And I didn't want to hang out with the kids now. I wanted to hang out with the old people because they were having so much fun. And my parents were really old back then. They must have been in their 30s. I wanted to hang out with the old people. I don't want to hang out with the kids because they were having so much fun. Now, what, what was happening here? I'll tell you what's happening, folks. God got a hold of their lives. And I remember Eleanor Floyd saying, you know what? I can't believe how much we're laughing. I can't believe how much fun we're having. And you know what? We haven't had one drop of liquor. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's hilarious. It's so funny. And often laughing again. What's going on here, folks? I want to tell you something that's thrilling about what happens when believers get together. They're celebrating the fact that God has set them free from their sin. God has set them free from their old lifestyle. God has set them free from their addictions and their bad habits. God has set them free, has released them. So that now... They are free to worship and serve God. How many know that the Bible says that he who the sun sets free is free indeed? Great reason to rejoice. Great reason to laugh. Great reason to sing. And you know what I discovered? I discovered that my dad could play the guitar. I didn't know he could play the guitar. He got the guitar. He's starting to sing old Christian songs, old Christian hymns. Dad, what's going on? Now, now you're scaring me. <laughs> And I find out that he grew up in a Christian home. And these were all the songs of his childhood. All the songs that he learned from his parents. All the songs that celebrated the God of his parents. And now he was returned. He was returned to the God of his parents. Is that reason to rejoice? I'll tell you, the Bible says that, that when, the, when the prodigal son came home, what did the father do? He threw a party, man. He threw a big party. He threw a celebration. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. We've got reason to laugh. We've got reason to be happy. We've got reason to rejoice because we are one again. I'm going to tell you something. This is exactly what happens to all those who put their faith in Christ. 
The great sign of, of a healthy Christian and a healthy church and a healthy fellowship is that there's happiness in the house. There's joy in the Lord. Did anybody know this morning that Jesse Carner serves a terrible bragger? He's not here to defend himself, so here we go. <laughs> We're at the men's retreat, and he's sitting there bragging about his small group. And, and Kevin Lamoureux there, and, 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 uh, and, and some of the others from that group, and they're talking about how, what a fantastic... We're laughing all the time. It's just a great time. I said, well, does anything spiritual happen? And I'm just, I'm just teasing him a bit now. Do you think spirit? Yeah. Yeah, we're laughing. We're having fun. We're enjoying each other. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's nothing more spiritual than when two people get together, two Christians get together and rejoice and laugh and have fun together. How many know that today? And here they are having a ball. And I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because that's what it's about. Jesse's smart, small group, amazing, amazing group. They have a ball. When, when one of them is in need, they all gather around and help each other out. And because their small group is not enough, they go to the gym together. They have play around, have, have a ball. Isn't that right? They have a great time. Folks, that's what the family of God's all about. You should be like one big happy family. The second thing we recognize this morning... Peter says to the, to, in his, in his epistle, he says, the, the Christian family should be happy and it should be full of sympathy towards each other. The word sympathy, Greek word, it's where we get the word sympathy from, sympathies, it means this, it means being together emotioned. Now, you know, we don't talk like that, we don't say, I'm, we're together emotioned. We say we're sympathetic to each other. What does that mean to be sympathetic to each other? Well, you've heard the expression that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. And when one of us rejoices, we all... Hello? <laughs> when, we, when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're awake. Good. Brian Rutten, one of our missionaries, heard about the plight of Ethiopian Christians. He, he recognized that, um, that they were... They were there's a collection of them in the midst of, of a Muslim community, and they were missing out completely on the relief that was coming in from the West. It's interesting that much of the relief was coming from Christian, company, uh, Christian countries and from Christians sent to Ethiopia. But the Christians in Ethiopia weren't getting it. The Muslims were taking it, and they were not sharing it with their Christian neighbors. Brian Rutten, our, our, our Pentecostal missionary there, he sees the plight of these Christians, and of course, he responds with what? With sympathy, because as long as they're hurting, he's hurting. And he contacts some Christians in Canada and says, I need your help. I need you to, I need you to, to, to raise up funds and resources and food and clothing so that we can give it to the, to our brethren in Ethiopia that are suffering, who have nothing. So Brian Rutten is successful in, in his, in his mission and, and brings in so much food that the Christians can't use it all. And guess what the Christians start to do with it? They start to share it with their Muslim neighbors. Now listen to this. They began to share with their Muslim neighbors, and it so moved the imam, which is the, the, the Muslim cleric or priest or head of the Christian, or the, the Muslim community there. He was so moved by what the Christians were doing for the Muslims that he said, 
All the Muslims around the world did not do anything for us, but it's the Christians that made the difference. And so we are now going to follow the God of the Christians. Folks, this is what happens when Christians understand the power of fellowship with one another and loving each other and being sympathetic to each other. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 17. It's a form of evangelizing when we care for each other. Because the Bible, Jesus says this, Jesus says that when we show our love for each other, the world will know that we are, what? His disciples. And that's exactly what happened in this Ethiopian community. These people came to Christ because Christians in Canada sympathized with Christians in Ethiopia and Christians in Ethiopia living like Christ shared with others. This is the power, my friends, of the gospel, the power of the Christian community. The third thing we recognize this morning is that we're called to love each other. Paul said, or Peter says, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Now, you've heard the expression, love must be tough. Have you ever heard that? How many know that's not in the Bible? That's, that's from James Dobson. <laughs> that's not from the Bible. My Bible here tells me that the love that we're supposed to share with one another is with tenderness and humility. With a gentleness, with a, with a kindness, and a care and a concern for others. In James 1.27, James says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so we try to do everything in our power to care for, for one another, to love each other, as the Bible calls us to love each other. How many know that love is not just feeling feelings of love? I, I love you. I feel like I love you. I've got good feelings towards, towards you. How many know that good feelings are just not enough? It takes more. In fact, if you know your, your language, if you know your grammar, you know that love is a verb. It's something that you do. And this is exactly what James is saying. The kind of religion that pleases God is a, is a, is a religion that, that has feet and has hands and is active. So in our congregation, we have a few widows. One of our widows had a husband who was very ill and unable to do repairs on their home. Eventually passed away and the home being in great need of repair, um, finally prompted some of the neighbors to call the, the city of Winnipeg. The city of Winnipeg came in and uh, threatened to seal the house up and perhaps even destroy it. This was happening to one of our, our own, one of our family, one of the widows in our church. Now, how could we... As a church family, sit back and do nothing when the Bible tells us clearly that the religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so we reached out to that widow. I've asked that widow to come and share with us this morning what happened in her life. So, Lilies, if you come right now quickly. And I want you to tell us, Lilies, what, what God did in your life through your church family. Well, first of all, the, uh, I was at a meeting in my home. Pastor Allen was there because he had heard about this before I did. They, they called they, me, actually. Yeah, they knew he was a, that I was a member of this church, and so they called him in on the meeting. 
there was um, an inspector at the meeting and uh, a social worker, I think. I can't remember if there was anyone else. And Gloria uh, Duncalf was there, too. Um, and they told me that uh, because of the state my house was in, they felt that it was uh, time that I moved on and that uh, they were going to tear down my house. And the first thing that I did was I left the room. <laughs> I didn't want to face this alone, so I called out to the Lord. And Pastor Allen wasn't quite sure what I had done, so he came after me, and I told him that um, what I was doing. And he also prayed for me. Um, the, we went back into the living room, and Pastor Allen talked to the man for a few minutes, and then he said, well, uh, Lilius is a member of our church, and uh, we will help her. And there were some grants in place for me that I could have used, but I just couldn't get the help to do it. So Pastor Allen uh, stepped in and said that they, the church would take over. And I want to tell you, there were so many people from this church that helped me. They came to my house, and I, I really, at this point, I couldn't face anything because there was so much to be done, and I was told that I would have to leave the house for six months. Um, Pastor Allen's father stepped in and gave me a place to live. Uh, the ladies from the church came out and packed my things. Uh, the, and everybody, I mean, everybody that I knew at the time came out to my house and did different things to make it better. Uh, Richard Newman, who's on holidays right now, and Tim, who's in the sound booth, came out and... Um, worked so hard on my house. Um, they, I'm not quite sure what all they did, but I saw them doing an awful lot of painting. I have an eight-room house, and let me tell you, the walls are not small. You know, they did an awful lot of painting in that house. Um, there are some members from the church that uh, have moved on now, but they also helped. Uh, but I think probably about half of the people in the congregation here helped me um, and without my church family I would never I wouldn't have a place to live now um, and they did an, an awesome job to, uh, helping me the, and this was the church family I had never received help from family blood family never mind church family and I was really overwhelmed by that I really was. So, the thrilling thing, friends, is that uh, is that Lilius would have walked away from her house with with and had nothing, had absolutely nothing, but uh, because uh, because her church family stepped in. And by the way, she mentioned my name a few times too many for my for my comfort. And the reason I said it is because I'm not the one that did the the, the bulk of the work. God just used me as a as the as a front man to to get the thing rolling, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: it's for the glory of God, and when uh, when we help somebody, this is what pleases God, this is what honors the Lord, and so Lilius today, uh, if 
Well, she's young still, but when it comes time for her maybe to go into a senior's care home or something, she's going to have a little bit of equity so that she will be cared for for the rest of her life. And I say this to the glory of God. This is what the family of God is all about. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Want to go that way? Yeah. I wanted you to know that. There's, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that nobody knows anything about. People reaching out and caring for others and meeting the needs of others. And it's for the glory of God. My friends, something you need to understand is that there is an enemy out there that's looking for your demise, trying to, wants to destroy you, wants to destroy your life. And you know that because you might, you've, you've experienced some pretty nasty things, some, maybe some miserable things in your life. But I want you to know that it's in the context of the family of God that God cares for you and meets your needs and protects you. Maybe you didn't know it, but the enemy of your soul has been trying for years to destroy you. In fact, the enemy of our souls has been trying for millennia to destroy God's people. And listen to me. You read the book of Revelation, perhaps the most exciting chapters in the Bible, the last few chapters, and you come to Revelation 20, verse 9, where it says the enemy of God's people marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people. Listen to this. The city that he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And I want you to know, that you might be going through a hard time right now. You might be going through struggle and heartache and pain in your life right now. You might feel like there's, there's no future, there's no tomorrow, there's no hope. But I want you to know that there is. And God offers it to you in the context of his family. And I want you to know that we are the company of the redeemed. I want you to know today that we are overcomers through Christ. And although it seems, it seems as though the enemy is getting the victory in your life today, I want you to know that ultimately we overcome. We win because God is on our side. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, today, if there are any here who are feeling disconnected from the family of God, if there are any here who are feeling anger, maybe bitterness, resentment, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would do a miracle in those hearts. Lord, that you would help them to let go and start getting behind the body of Christ the way you want them to get behind the body of Christ and get into the body of Christ and celebrate with the body of Christ. Father, maybe there are some here today who just just uh, feel distressed and maybe, maybe they feel Pastor Allen hasn't done enough or Pastor Allen has failed them or let them know, God, you know my heart that there's no way, no way on earth I would do anything to purposely hurt any of your people. You know how much I love my church family. You know, much, you know how I pray for them secretly, quietly, behind the scenes. God, I pray right now that you would help us to love each other according to your word. That you would help us to be sympathetic to each other and, and get alongside each other and and hurt with one another, and, and celebrate with one another, rejoice with one another. We pray, God, that we would indeed, according to your scripture, that we would be like one big happy family. And we pray that, God, for the glory of your name. And everyone said it with me. 
Would you stand with me and sing, please?